Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode. I'm joined by the main man, Josh Gilbert, based out in Sydney, Australia. Josh, how are you? Very good, Sam. Very good. How are you? Yeah, good. Very well. Very well, actually. Um, it's been uh, an interesting week so far in markets. I think that the quiet week of last week was was a pretty good thing. There seems to be a little bit more going on this one. And of course, you've got the end of the month, quarter and first half of the year which we can talk about a little bit later so i'm sure there's a few surprises around the corner today and tomorrow but uh yeah not too bad markets are you know in a very interesting point which will make some of our subjects quite interesting today and one of those will be second half of the year predictions so we did these last year and we actually did pretty well uh also we can talk about nike their earnings came out after the close on monday uh, it does kind of feel like earnings are just never ending. And then when these end, the next quarter ones begin. Uh, and then we also touch upon consumer sentiment, which is obviously a very important metric for us to, to keep an eye on right now. Um, but yeah, those three subjects, night, consumer sentiment and H2 predictions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sounds good to me. I'm not sure how we're already halfway through 2022 and, and setting our H2 predictions already, but yeah, there we go. And, and as you say, been a, a pretty wild ride in markets again. It's definitely giving us a, a lot to talk about. Yeah, that's for sure. Coming off a, you know, a, a pretty positive week last week um, to then sort of a bit more red um, overnight in Tuesday session. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the rest of the week holds but um, and how those H2 predictions plan out as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy how this year has uh has already got us to this point six months nearly completed it's absolutely just baffling and obviously eight days ago so we're filming this on the 29th recording this on the 29th and 21st of july is obviously the longest day of the year and when that happened i was like well you know they they say i think there's a there's a, a monday in january where they call it the most depressing day of the year blue january and i actually think the 21st of July should be the most depressing day of the year because from now on, the days in the UK get shorter. And it's just like, we haven't had summer yet. Why are the days getting shorter? But here we are. Um, yeah, June almost complete. It's really depressing. So let's try and move on to something maybe more positive, maybe not. Uh, we're about to find out. We had earnings from, or the earning report from Nike. Um, and if someone isn't shouting right now, just do it. I'm going to be pretty disappointed, but uh, let, let's crack on. How did they report? Did you find anything significant when when looking through it? How did the market take to it? This podcast is going to come up under a comedy segment soon. Rather than <laughs> it the, is, isn't it? The business segment. Um, yeah, look, I mean, with Nike, first things first, you know, they, they really struggled with lockdowns in China. Uh, mm. I think that goes without saying. Um, it's a huge region uh, for them and, and sales there dropped by 19% year over year and 
Um, that's pretty significant for Nike, as I say. It's a, it's it's an important region for them, but it's also um, that those lockdowns also enhance sort of the, the company supply chain problems as well. Um, you know, given the fact that um, you know China again is is a big uh, area um for you know um, product lines etc um and if anyone has you know been been bored enough to, to have a look at the sort of the, the the ship maps um over in china and, and pretty much seeing that there has been very very limited movement uh over the last sort of three to four months so you can see why you know that there is um some significant supply chain problems there but despite that and despite the fact that you know recession fears are mounting you know inflation in the u.s is super hot you know, Nike actually beat expectations on both the top and the bottom line. Uh, earnings and revenue both coming in above analyst expectations. Um, so that basically means that consumers are still buying. Um, I'm a, and I'm going to put for now with a question mark at the end of that. Um, and we'll sort of touch on that in a little bit more in a minute. But yeah, some positive numbers. Direct to consumer sales were up by 7%. Um, that's a really important factor for Nike. Um, you know, direct to sales, it, you know, is basically meaning that they're not going through, you know, um, you know, secondhand parties, uh, you know, going direct to that consumer. They're selling through their website, selling through their stores, etc. Um, that's something they've been focused on over the last sort of two years since the pandemic started. Uh, and strength across sort of APAC and Latin America uh, saw sales up 15% year over year and that sort of helped to offset some of that weakness uh, in China as well and we still had some pretty good strength across North America as well um, and, and as I say Nike's sort of strategy um, for the last sort of two years is to really push its digital sales and, and that is now paying off you know especially in a world that continues to sort of transition towards an e-commerce focus uh, digital brand sales for Nike were up 15% year over year, and that beat estimates of what was around about 11%. So its online position was was amplified, obviously, over COVID, but they did a really solid job of transitioning from in-store sales to online sales, because actually, before that, a huge majority of its sales were coming from, from in-stores, um, and now that's starting to flip it on its head, where we're starting to see the majority coming from e-commerce sales. So, you know, that was a really big transition and not everyone nailed that. You know, it was a really difficult time for retailers to try and transition. And again, if you didn't get it right, you suffered. But but Nike, as we sort of learned through the pandemic, managed that really well. And I think it's going to give them a really good long-term advantage to continue to grow its market share and pretty much only solidify its position as the top sort of sportswear manufacturer in the world. Um, everyone knows them. They've got the best um you know deals with sports stars globally and you know that brand itself is is fantastic but sort of again coming back to what i mentioned earlier consumers are still buying for now question mark well look if the u.s economy falls into a recession the everyday consumer is unlikely to sort of spend spare capital on discretionary items um, especially when it comes to sort of say updating their athletic wear um you know we're going to get onto consumer sentiment in a minute but people are already feeling the pinch in their pockets um and one of the sort of big standouts for Nike, and this comes from maybe supply chain issues as well, but in inventories for Nike were up 23% compared to the year prior. So that means that they've got a lot more inventory um, sat behind the scenes. Means, And what this ultimately means is that we could see discounted products um, coming to market. And that's not good for margins. Uh, and that's not good for a brand either. Um, you know, Because if you continuously buy Nike items on sale, you're never going to buy Nike items when they're fully priced. That's just sort of the, that sort of consumer mindset. But 
you know, a positive to sort of round off with Nike is that they did announce a huge $18 billion buyback as well. Um, so there is some positives to take away, um, but also, you know, a bit of a balanced view um, on both sides um, of, of, of Nike um, there after their earnings report. Yeah, not too bad, I guess, all things considering. It's been obviously an incredibly tough year. Um, it's going to be a really interesting next earnings report. Um, and we've seen, I, I guess, going back to sort of September, October time last year, if you miss expectations, the share price really, really does does take a beat. Get punished. It does. You've seen it, Netflix, Facebook, Snapchat, and many others this year, right, that when they did miss, even if they've had like, three, four, five quarters in a row and they're smashing it have just been obliterated. And I think it's going to be the same kind of thing uh, come uh, the next earnings uh, earnings season. If you don't, don't yeah. meet the expectations, you're, you're going to struggle. Maybe specifically focused on sort of those discretionary sort of yeah. companies, right? Like you said, like Netflix, you know, again, are they going to sort of really feel that pain? Nike, are they going to feel that pain? You know, because are, are consumers needing to upgrade, upgrade athletic wear? Are they needing mm. that second or third TV subscription? Uh, those sorts of, you know, discretionary items. I think they're really going to feel the pinch in that sense, given that inflation hasn't really sort of slowed down at all since sort of those first Q1 earnings. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I, I think we are going to see that. You just wonder, hopefully, from their share price point of view, going into that they have low expectations but that's not really how it works when that earnings report comes out and if it does miss you know it's not what's priced in i guess um i guess we've just literally touched upon consumer sentiment there in a way talking about people's behaviors and what they might do but you know what are they thinking you know what is the situation at the moment why do you think it's also important um of course it's not the be all and end all uh, but it's certainly a component we need to look at when when putting together a macro picture. It's not like, okay, consumer sentiment data comes out, it's either good, okay, that's the bottom of the market, or it's bad, we're definitely going to move lower, but it is a piece of that puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's it's obviously good to sort of break that down, what that looks like. I think, you know, it can be sort of a bit of a, con um, a confusing subject. I was having a conversation in the office with um, one of our compliance girls a couple of days ago. And again, it, it you know, it, it does get quite confusing. They were a bit sort of unsure. So maybe give some, some insight as to actually what it is and, um, you know, maybe break down jargon. We like to do that on, on this body. So look, there's a couple of ways that it's measured across the world, but in the US specifically, the, the first is uh, the University of Michigan, uh, and that's their survey of consumer sentiment index. Uh, this index is ultimately a monthly survey of how consumers feel about the economy, their personal finances, business conditions and buying conditions. Usually uh, it's a phone survey. So obviously from the university, they will call households within the US, you know, and ask, you know, particular questions um, again about how consumers are ultimately feeling, you know, about their personal finances, can you know, economy, etc. Then separate to that, we also have the Consumer Confidence Index, which is sort of slightly separate. Um, this is, is slightly different. This is maybe slightly more focused on, you know, here and now in the economy, whereas the Sentiment Index is a little bit more focused on the future as well. Um, so it's a bit more of an outlook rather than right now. Uh, and the index is a little bit more, the Consumer's Confidence Index is a bit more in the here and now. Um, and how that works is if the index is rising, then people are spending money, you know, they're confident about the economy, their jobs, their income, 
income, they feel secure, uh, you know, and that means they're ultimately going to spend. You know, on the other hand, uh, if it's decreasing, uh, well, it usually means that obviously we're going to see slowing economic growth and that consumers are a little bit more tactile um, with their spending. Um, you know, and again, we're talking about those discretionary items there. They're really making sure that they're, you know, that they're not sort of overstretching themselves. So the consumer confidence questions um, place a sort of a to co- sort of compare the two. The consumer confidence questions place a greater emphasis on, say, employment and labour, um, those sort of market conditions. Whereas the consumer sentiment survey sort of emphasises a little bit more individual household finances. Um, but as you say, how important are they? Well, both are, are sort of really important factors in sort of assessing the overall health. Um, and also the trajectory of sort of the U.S. consumers' economic, uh, economic situation. But the sort of the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index is often seen as a better leading indicator of sort of that future consumer spending given its greater first, um, focus on sort of personal financial situations. Um, so that's the expert explanation. A little bit long-winded, but it's good to have broke it down. Um, so what are we dealing with right now? Well, consumer sentiment hit a record low in June. Um, Americans continue to face sort of elevated prices, whether that's for fuel, food, other goods and services. I mean, right here in Australia at the moment, you cannot buy lettuce anywhere and it costs about six or seven dollars to do that. So it just shows and, and, and little things like that really have a huge impact on the consumer sentiment because that's, you know, real life inflation that everybody yeah, can see. You can't get your lettuce. I mean, that is that's that is real life struggles right there, isn't it? absolutely yeah and it's one of those when when we go to places you know me and my me and my girlfriend will go to a shop we see lettuce and she wants to buy like three lettuces at a time i'm like well it's literally you know it's, it's gonna go moldy within about two days so there's no point in that but you know ultimately 79 percent of consumers are, are expecting bad times ahead uh, you know in the next year uh, for business conditions and that's the highest that we've seen since 2009 the positive that we can say, sort of say, take from the the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report, and this is why we saw a bit of a rally last week in markets, was that long run inflation expectations actually moderated. So that fell from three point one percent, or fell to three point one percent from the pre- preliminary report of three point three percent. And as I say, this was positive. Um, in this was a positive decline in sort of those long run inflation expectations, and it was lower. Uh, and you actually had Jerome Powell call this figure eye quite eye catching, you know, in his testimony um, earlier, sort of in, in the week. So this actually provided a bit of a boost to markets last week. And um, again, it is obviously short lived, as we can sort of see. Um, but it, but it did sort of bring down sort of possible rate high expectations we did also have some other economic data which was quite positive but but bottom line is that consumer sentiment is pretty weak and consumer confidence last night out of the US was the lowest that we've seen in a year but also on the flip side Nike earnings showed right now that consumers are clearly still buying so as we say you know what we talked about a minute ago maybe those Q2 earnings will give us more insight into consumer spending you know and on the flip side of that in Australia today we had a strong nominal retail sales reading for April so that suggests that ultimately that we've still got strong household balance um, you know from savings etc you know that that theory is still then playing out and that's despite low consumer confidence as well so there's you know there's twofold right you know consumers have got a you know have you know really grown their savings more than ever before over the pandemic because they weren't traveling they weren't doing anything um and we've seen that particularly here in australia that um you know surveys from banks are showing that we've got the highest level 
of savings that we've ever had from consumers but ultimately they're worrying that those are going to dwindle as time goes on when inflation rises you know and, and those wage rises aren't matching inflation uh, and that's where sort of this low consumer confidence is coming from but so far you know retail sales were pretty strong here so it's, it's really going to be a difficult q2 earnings on those discretionary items but i do think it will start to shine through yeah i mean it's an interesting one isn't it when you hear headlines like the lowest or highest depending on the metric since 2009 uh, or 2000 and you think you know what obviously those were turning points in a way a lot of bad news but obviously to to reach those lows it then had to recover or reach those highs it then had to come down so you know it, it ben has, has mentioned you know less bad news can be good news uh, and maybe that's the point we're eventually going to get to when we you know are at these extreme levels on these data points it might be that you know once you start to see a little bit of an improvement that really is the cue for markets to to recover a little bit and and i guess that can kind of come into our next section the final subject area for this week is h2 predictions which i still find it crazy that we've literally finished the first half of the year we were actually pretty good last year i mean we we went real specific on like the actual number where price would be trading and, and that's obviously very hard to do so much can happen there can be black swan events and all of this kind of thing but uh make sure you've got your best thinking cap on um how how confident are you feeling going into into this i'm i've never been less confident in my life <laughs> <laughs> especially with especially with these market conditions if, if anybody if any analyst or anybody out there at the moment says that they know exactly what's going on um then i believe that they're lying so yeah. um yeah. yeah don't believe that at all so it's such a trader's market out there it really really is um mm. but we'll give it our best go and, and we can obviously talk through the rest of the year um whether we would stick twist or or, or whatever on these on these predictions but let's cover the s p bitcoin oil euro usd and gold all in a way pretty correlated so i imagine some of these answers will be relatively similar but let's go through them you know like we said price predictions are, are pretty tricky but if you want to sort of give your gut feel you can but let's just you know go for simple higher or lower here for now which might make it our job a little bit easier um but to kick things off the s p what what's what's the sort of the gut feel there uh higher yeah i'd like to say we higher i, I do think that we're probably going to see a little bit more red yeah i still think there's a little bit more pain to come don't think we're out of the woods yet um you know especially with sort of the the macro risk that's that's still in place so i definitely think there's a bit more red but i think come come the end of the year i think the s p 500 is going to be higher than where we are you know i think it'll be, certainly be above sort of that four thousand dollars that's going to be my my shout yeah word for word for me i agree I, I was just looking at the charts now and you know they they've all sort of closed yesterday before below real key levels and I, I i'd be surprised in the short short term if we have any upward moves now i think we the next direction is the low of the year but the question is about where we end the year and i would say yeah higher than than where we are now but yeah i'm with you i think we get another low of the year unfortunately but again for traders it's really really nice market um now look th this this next one bitcoin we, we've seen the correlation with US equities uh, be at record highs in, in recent times. So I wonder if your answer is going to be higher here as well for, for Bitcoin. 
Uh, yes, I am going to go higher. Um, I say that as I'm watching the price of Bitcoin right now teeter along that very key technical level of 20,000 US dollars. So maybe by the time we finish this podcast, that might change. But no, look, I do think we do finish higher than, than where we are um, today. Look, I, I again, I don't think like the S&P 500, I, I don't think we've seen everything from it yet you know i definitely think we're going to test those lows especially if we stay under twenty thousand. you know you mentioned it there that correlation with um you know equities the nasdaq the s&p 500 is so high i still think we've got further to come downside to come from the s&p 500 a little bit more red and therefore i think we're going to see it from from bitcoin and crypto what's important though with with crypto is that we have seen a more aggressive sell-off right you know the s&p 500 is down 20% year to date. Bitcoin is down, you know, 70% from its all time high, probably, I think probably about 50% so far this year, maybe 40%. So it, it's, a, it's, it's sold off a lot more than what other assets have. But I do think we're going to test those lows that we've already seen. I think it was 17,600. I think there's a tester there. I don't think we fall into single digit single digits as in nine thousand. Um, I think we sort of stay in the, the double digit thousands, uh, but we will see. But I do think we will be um, above twenty thousand. Um, you know, even if it's twenty one thousand, twenty two thousand, uh, I think we'll we will be above um, that sort of level that we are today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think if we're if we're both saying the S and P is going to finish higher, albeit with some further downside to come, short to medium term. Then I think the same reasons apply for for Bitcoin why it could recover and ultimately it's still a risk asset. And I think if we do start to get some sort of dovish direction from the Fed, you know, I think what is they saying this this time next year they're pricing in the first cut. You know, if that if that really starts start to materialise and you know whatnot, I think Bitcoin is going to benefit from that. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what your your thoughts in a moment when we we'll talk about the Euro USD. But you know, a, a weaker US dollar if we both think. For example, Euro USD is going to go higher. That's going to benefit the S and P and 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 Bitcoin too. Next up is is oil, which of course has had an unreal start to the year back end of last year. Commodities in general have, has performed very well. Um, but what are you think? I mean, oil is 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 still pretty elevated. So this is 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 quite high. I mean, we look six months to go. What's it, what's the gut feel? I think I think we do start to come off these these prices. Um, it's not sustainable, especially in the inflation front. Um, if we want to, if we're going to want to bring inflation down, then you know energy prices are you know right at the top of the list to try and sort of control that, um, especially for the everyday consumer as well. You know, you've got Biden at the moment trying to sort of you know um, you know put, put price cuts in place or price limits in place on on fuel in the US. So I do think we start to see oil come down. Obviously, I think OPEC are going to act. You know, I think OPEC are actually meeting this week in terms of, um, you know, the number of barrels, etc. Um, you know, so I, I do think they will increase supply, but they will they can only increase supply if it's possible. You know, we've actually seen that uh, oil producers are actually struggling to, to produce the amount of oil in that sense um, that, that they want to see. But... Look, we, we did start to see the sell-off from commodities last week on the back of um, recession risks rising. 
Um, so we did start to see that. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be lower. I, again, similar to what we've seen from what we said from the S and P five hundred and Bitcoin. I think we see we see oil continue to have that price elevation. It goes higher in the shorter term um, as we're sort of really working everything out. But then I do start to think it cools down and and prices do start to to fall back again. Whether that's you know around a hundred dollars or lower, um, you know I'd like to think it would probably be around about ninety dollars a barrel by the end of the year. Yeah, I'm in the ninety to a hundred dollar a barrel camp, which means lower, which means lower. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one watching commodities last week and copper. I think this kind of time last last week as well, doctor copper they call it, don't they? That that really mm. did break down, and of course that's something people look at when looking at recession fears. Um, I think I already know your answer for this one uh, for the euro USD based on the top two the s&p and the bitcoin and, and, and the bitcoin bitcoin um but yeah euro usd yeah so i think we we spoke about it um not that long ago in terms of if it would um parity you know, sort of yeah parity um but yeah i, I think it's got to be higher in that sense um you know again we're you're getting close to some pretty key technical levels if we do hit parity etc um so I, I do think you see a bit of relief there um you know in some higher prices um or you know higher price from the euro usd that would be my view given given the take that i've already taken on on everything else so far <laughs> yeah I was, I was just thinking if if uh if we're wrong on one we're probably going to be wrong on all of them here yeah <laughs> so we're not going to go we're not going to just you know we, we've got a view and we're going to stay with that we're not going to steal yeah, from our views exactly we haven't hedged our our bets here whatsoever i mean if we wanted to be smart you could probably get three out of uh one two three four five you could probably get three out three or two out of five here guaranteed if you say s p down or up do the opposite for bitcoin and and, and so on but yeah I'm, i'm with you for for the euro um uh you know i i think the the rest of the world is going to catch up central bank wise with the us and and the dollar has obviously strengthened significantly and and uh yeah i i think the dollar at some point is going to cool down um and then yeah euro usd yeah i think higher i think higher, but not by much though by the way uh last one gold which is as of friday's close was was down for the year but it's, it's been pretty pretty flat for a while and and, and actually while the s p bitcoin gold uh, sorry, not gold, oil and euro and other currency pairs have actually been really, really nice to trade and to look at. Gold recently for me, is I, I look at it and I just think, God, it has just done nothing. It, it needs a little prod to wake up, which is unlike gold, but uh, not from a trading point of view, I guess, from more from a medium term. Where do you see gold at the back end of December? This is our hedge. <laughs> uh, as it is in the normal market, we're going to take it as a hedge today um yeah so flat um pretty much for the year down 0.65 percent just dropped about five percent in the last sort of three months i'm gonna i'm gonna say it's gonna finish higher and i, and I think it will finish higher because i think we're gonna see a lot of volatility within the next six months uh, a lot of uncertainty um and, and i just think we will see investors and traders gravitate towards gold i think we will see um you know a lot of momentum in that um you know a big push for you know, sort of you know the the material sector you know actually we, we've got the sort of the um 
the retail investor survey coming out soon um that will be next week and that's going to be really interesting to sort of see how investors are positioning themselves uh what they're buying at this moment in time um but i definitely think materials is going to be up there and and you know commodities and energies and that that side of the market but yeah for me i think gold will will be higher by the end of the year just on investor demand um as you know as as they begin to look for for hedges um you know, and, and just safe havens, um, just safe havens to get away from that volatility that I do think we will see over the next six months. Yeah, I, I, I think if we do see a weaker dollar, it's going to help gold. It's going to help gold. I guess there's the argument as well for other commodities that a weaker dollar would, would help too. But I think oil is in its own sort of realm at the moment. So I would still stick with, with oil to be lower, even though I do think by the end of the year, the dollar is going to be weaker than where it is now. But uh yeah, it'd be interesting to to fast forward six months, just like that, to to find out how we did. Of course, if we had a crystal ball, it would be amazing, but we don't. Um, and I think that's important to say, right? Because you know we we you know gone with our sort of gut feel here, but for certainly the top two that we discussed in S and P and Bitcoin, we said, well, we actually reckon there's more downside to come, and then we finish up. So that just shows how hard it's going to be from you know at the moment from an investing standpoint. From a trading, it's different. You can trade what you see. The price action is, is is relatively clear out there. But from an investing point, it's going to be going to be tough. Um, look, we'll, we'll wrap it there for for today. We obviously covered Nike, consumer sentiment, uh, and those H two predictions. Um, just for for those that are involved in the markets over the next couple of days, I, I, my advice would just be just be careful. You know, you've got the last day of the month, last day of the quarter, last day of the first half of the year tomorrow. Markets can be quite tricky to navigate you just got to think about what's going on rebalancing your portfolios buying and selling of dollars etc etc you can get quite unusual uh price action so no harm in just saying to yourself you know what you know let's come back next week uh wait for independence day on the fourth to to go volume comes back in on the fifth and the tuesday and then you can go from there that would be not a bad way to look at it but uh but josh good as always to have you on mate no pleasure thanks for having me sam and i uh, hope uh, hope everyone has a great rest of their week take care guys have a good one you've been listening to digest and invest from etoro for more information visit etoro.com <laughs>